Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Trek Podcast. We are recording this after the Continental Tour meet in Hungary. I am Kevin. He is Gordon, recording a little later. Um, so if you're watching live, thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the meet. Um, if you're watching like the next day or listening the next day, we're going to be talking about Sid McLaughlin and Shelly and Fraser Price and all the other takeaways from uh, from this meet in Hungary. Gordon, how's it going? I listened to your pod, your Silesia Diamond League recap in preparation for this pod too, but I guess we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. So there's no real time for feedback. Well, no, there's going to be a little, I can call back to a certain take I had that got a little controversial in the comments <laughs> because I feel like my take so far is standing up, you know, my like I'm one and out for this take because I had a Christian Coleman take that people kind of disagreed with, but Christian Coleman ran today mm. and that take kind of stands hold, hold it's holding its own weight right now because he ran like he didn't run well today. So, but we'll get into that he when didn't. we talk about the men's hundred. So that's facts. I mean, I looked at that episode and then I saw that it was 30 minutes and I thought, Oh boy, what did he do for 30 minutes? What sort of controversy did he create? Which sort of legends did he anger? Did he upset an entire nation? But yeah, by your standard, it was pretty tame the whole way through. Um, People are upset about the Elaine Thompson hurrah take that you were on and you were part of that take. Well, I, mean, I disagreed with you. You disagreed with me, but take. you're in the video, so yeah. people probably associate you down yeah. with that Elaine Thompson hurrah take. But people I, in Jamaica listen. are upset about it. Like, I'm not saying that she's going to lose to a non-Jamaican. Like, I'm thinking that a Jamaican's going to beat her. So, like, this is not an anti-Elaine thompson Rod take. It's a pro Shelly and Fraser Price take. Look, and I'm not here just to relitigate all your bad takes, but and I will say this. Jackson even, though, take. even though I was in the video with you, I think people are able to differentiate between us just based on our experience in Eugene. Because when people would say hi or offer encouragement or critiques... They were very clear about Gordon. You were wrong about that. Like, they didn't say you guys. They were good about leaving me out of it. So I think the viewers don't rope me in with you, which is good for me um, in pretty much every single case. that I, I'm trying to think of a case where it would be good that I get roped in with you, just in, not even in work, but just in life, and I can't come up with one. Fair enough. Fair enough. And anyway. Anyway, let's do it. It was weird having the track meet on a Monday, Monday, like mm -hmm. late morning, early afternoon. Prime time, your, baby. Uh, this is like the peak type of track meet. It happens randomly on a Monday. <laughs> we don't know the start list till like 48 hours to 24 hours beforehand. And it oh, has yeah. some of the best people in the world. Notably, Sydney oh, yeah. McLaughlin, who we thought was going to be running in Monaco. She is so mysterious that, like, she's running Monaco. We're talking about a flat 400, and then all of a sudden she's pulling out of Monaco and now running the 400 hurdles in Hungary. What's going on? What are your thoughts on Sydney deciding to one run one race after Worlds mm -hmm. and it be this one on a Monday afternoon in Hungary? Well, what was a great movie? Said, I'm going to stick to one song and one song only. That's, that's Sydney post world championships she's just she's just doing one was she gonna run the flat four in monaco or was she gonna run the 400 hurdles at monaco i never i don't know heard a specific race there so i think people were wanting her to run a flat four but that was always projection 
it doesn't matter if she's going to run one, whether or not it's in Monaco or it's in Hungary or it's anywhere, it's going to be her versus the clock. Now, yeah. if Femke Bold shows up, there'll be someone slightly closer to her. If Dalila Muhammad shows up, there'll be someone slightly closer to her. But if we learn one thing from Eugene, it's just that there's nobody close to Sydney McLaughlin. So to me, it doesn't matter where she ran. I obviously would prefer to see her in the open four because as we talked about, she has zero to prove. Um, this race, it looked effortless. Like Tim Hutchings doing the call was just like kind of downplaying expectations the whole way. And then was, like, oh, wow, 51.68. Like only Dalila Muhammad has run faster than that, right? It's it's still an all-time performance, but that's the thing. Sydney can run a second off of her best time like she did here. And it's still an all-time performance. So to me, it doesn't matter where she run. I would love to see her run more because she's a phenomenal athlete. So much fun to watch. I'd love to see her run other events. But this versus Monaco versus Zurich versus Brussels, it doesn't matter because the picture that you're seeing on the screen right now, the last 100 meters of this race, that's what you'd see anywhere. It doesn't matter what sort of field you assemble. It's her versus the clock, everybody else racing for second. Yeah, 51.68. I, I turned it. I try to turn it into an interesting stat. It's the sixth time she's broken 52 seconds in her young career. That's crazy. If someone would tell you, like, what was fi- sub 52 five years ago? That was like world a yeah Absolutely. world record. It, it's like just an unthinkable area, an era, area of time, and now she's done it six times. It's just incredible. Yeah. She's. And yeah. it's not like a bunch of 51 nines. There's some low 51s, mid 51s, a high 50. It's all, it's a 50. It's all over yeah, the place. There's a, yeah. Well, that was her fifth best time ever. So that's ahead of uh, a lot of remarkable performances in her career. So she's got obviously world record at world champs, world record at USA's, Tokyo last year. Then she's got. Nashville this year where the hurdles were probably marked to a wrong spot. And then she has this performance, which is ahead of her, uh, 51 90 at the Olympic trials last year, which was a world record. So this would have been a world record up until the Olympics last year. So don't be like, she's so nonchalant about it. And she jumps in this race. that's a little bit lower key than you could say a Monaco diamond league, even though the fields were pretty good all across the board. But don't let let that fool you. You're still seeing all-time performances from her. And when you look and you see a 51 on the clock now, we're conditioned to think, oh, okay, eh, that's way off the world record. But that's just because she's the only person who's gone 50. She's the only person who's gone 50 by a large margin. So seeing a sub-52 is still a rare thing in women's forming hurdles. Femke Bowl has not broken 52. So Again, it's her and Alila Muhammad. That's it. And then you go back to 2019 when this world record race kind of started with her and Muhammad. And Alila Muhammad ran 52.20 in that race. 52.20. That was a world record. Insane. Yeah. It's insane. We'll see what she does next. I mean, do we know? I mean, she just mentioned she's only doing one race. So Yeah, that's it. That's it. What's she going to do now? That's so much time. August, August, September, October, November, December. She's probably not going to run anything mm. in January. Maybe a race in February. But, like, we're getting at least a good six months of no Sydney running in a circle. 
what are we going to do with ourselves? There's just like, <laughs> do we get also six months off? Should we just take a six month hiatus on the podcast until Cindy comes? We back? have going strikes. We have six months to make sure that the schedule for Budapest and the schedule for Paris are such that she can run the flat 400 and the 400 hurdles. That's what we do. We spend six months of our life trying to figure that out. We got to get a committee together. Who should be on the committee to like, who should be on the presentation committee to put together the PowerPoint <laughs> deck to the world athletics to get them to, you know, change the yeah. schedule. Like who, who are you inviting to this meeting? Obviously it's you and me, right? Colt's mm. coming. Cause Colt's going to make definitely sure. Definitely me. Cause I want to succeed definitely. in this meeting. I... It's both of us. We're both going to go to this meeting. Come on. Yeah. I don't know if we have enough seats, but you would definitely be the first guy off the bench. Uh, if someone cancels, um, who has had schedule issue? Uh, Allison Felix wanted us to change the schedule in the past and they wouldn't change it for her. I feel like we invite yeah. Allison Felix. So, well, no, that you don't want to bring her then because that's bad karma because they didn't change it for her while they changed it for Sydney. Uh, you want to bring yeah. people uh, who Michael can... Johnson? They changed it for Michael, Michael Johnson? Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We bring him. One. I was thinking we bring in Magic Johnson because okay. he's a great ambassador for all sports. And he's going to be like very simple with his presentation. He's just going to say, Sydney is fast. <laughs> Sydney's great. Let's watch Sydney. <laughs> Sydney's great. Twice. And that, that's going to be like, you know what? Twice. You have a point. Yeah, that's true. Okay. That, that's all we need. Do we need any we like need any... government officials? So someone to bring in like a big chart, like they got the easel boards, like you see on yeah. the floor of Congress, where it's like yeah. it, one of them is just a board that has the number one on it. That's how many individual events she ran last year. Last year, and then you unveil a second board, and it just has the number two. This is like how many that. individual events you want to see her run this time. Two. So we might get this live streamed on C-SPAN. That's like we get the whole Congress involved. <laughs> they got time, right? They're not doing anything. All right, yeah. and, and then, I mean, real talk though. Do you think if you had real to put talk. your your Firstborn on the line. Mm. Maybe that's too much of a, a bet. If you just had to put your yeah. like your next mortgage payment on the line, yeah, will she or won't she attempt the double? Based next on all year the situations, or either or twenty three or twenty four. Okay, so in this scenario, am I assuming the schedules are going to allow for it in some sort of reasonable way? You're assuming. I mean, it has to allow for it for her to do it. So that's part of the situation. You have to predict that they're going to change the schedule. So the question is, will she double in both of them or just one, in, one of them? Either, either. I want it to happen so badly that I almost think it won't. I guess I would bet against it and then I'll be pleasantly surprised. I think, okay. I think what we could see is the Open 4 in 2023 and then both of them in 2024. Because it's the Olympics, much bigger stage. Like, why she's achieved so much, right? She's already a household name for track fans. But the way you, you become a household name for people outside of track is do something unprecedented. So save yeah. that for the Olympics. Save that you for do 2024. Like Michael Phelps stuff. Yeah, yeah. Be on TV a lot during those two weeks in, in Paris. And then, so doing it during just a world championship. Maybe she wants to just get through the 400, do that, check that box, make sure she's got it. Cause she's has to be ridiculously confident that the 400 hurdles will be there for her. 
She's not worried yeah. about that, I would think. Yeah. I'm just imagining Magic Johnson giving this speech. Listen. I think it'd be really good. Idea. I think we need to – I mean, I guess we should have asked Sebco at that press conference. We should have. Like, will Will you change the – actually, we shouldn't even have even said, will you change the schedule? We should say, what time is the meeting, and do you have space in your office for our ESO boards? That's what we should have said. <laughs> Have you got have you got my PowerPoint deck? Yeah. Have you have you received my email? There were some people who legitimately asked Sebco in a press conference whether or not he received specific emails about specific events in ha- happening in track and field. So we would not have been that far off with the rest of that press conference asking if he had received an email about Sydney's double. We'll make sure we'll make sure to shoot our shot the next time we run into him. That's for sure. Yeah. Like and again, I, I don't want to be I don't want to turn into you with the four majors with me talking about the universal schedule, but there should just be a universal schedule, so we don't even need to have this mystery about what's going to happen. Like everybody knows, oh man, the four hundred four hurdle double. That means she'll need to run this many races on this many days, and day seven is going to be crazy for. Like you just know, and then there's Yo, no subjectivity. Of why did you change the the meet for this person and not for that person? They're just they're giving uh, right now. They're doing an award ceremony, yeah, and they're giving uh, Sydney McLaughlin a cake on stage with her. Oh, is her birthday? It's her birthday. It's just her birthday. That's why her birthday. When was her birthday, Colt? Yeah, scroll down, Colt. Her birthday, August seventh. So yesterday. Okay, but it's a picture of her in her Kentucky uniform on a cake, and they're just giving it to her. I think she won Athlete of the Meet anyway. So. Oh, when speaking you- of Athlete of the Meet. You raised – when are we going to start talking about Athlete of the Year? I guess we can wait a month on that. We'll have plenty of time to discuss. Yeah, we got time. We got time for that. All right. What else do you want to talk Another about? Another candidate. Well, I want to talk about Shelly and Fraser Price because she was a candidate for Athlete of the Meet and would be a good candidate for Athlete of the Year. She does another 10, 10 six, Gordon, 10.67 in this race coming off um, a remarkable run. In the Diamond League, where she ran another 10-6 on Saturday. She's run faster times before last year, right? She ran the 10-6. She ran the 10-63. But this season, overall, I think is better. First of all, she got the gold in the 100. She didn't last year. And now she's gone under 10.7 seconds five times in 2022 five times she's run either 1066 or 1067 and she's not done so maybe we'll see a 1063 or maybe we'll see a 1060 but i think you could say this is her best season ever in the 100 and you could say it with a lot of confidence because of the gold medal and just the consistency of the times and if you just started paying attention to track right now and you look at shelly and fraser price and you say all right she's she's 35 years old She's just clicking off 10 sixes. You say, man, early on in her career, she must have run a ton of 10 sixes. Well, that's not the case. Remember, her PB heading into 2021 was 1070. All of these marks have come in 21 and 22. And I think it's easy to forget that. But, you know, since 2021, 10 6, 10 6 3, 10 6 6, 10 6 7, 10 6 7, 10 6 7, 10 6 7. Like the consistency has been remarkable. She's not done with this year either, but 
it feels like she could go until November running 10 sixes. And it feels like she can go until 38, 39 years old, still winning gold medals. What year did she have her baby? Uh, that was 17. Um, uh, da, 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 let me look. Colt, you got the, uh, let's see, what was she off? Yeah, she didn't compete at all in, in 17. 17. So it's very far removed from that too. Like it is very, I mean, there's just certain athletes out there. I mean, I kind of compared her to Tom Brady. There are certain athletes out there that find a way to just do the unusual, which is typically you decline over time. And then there are some athletes who kind of do the inverse that over time they get oddly better. You know, you look at that in a lot of some certain like women's marathoners, right? You mm -hmm. see someone like Kira D'Amato, who was a no name and now is running, you know, all time marks for US women in the longer distances. And like, mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense. You're supposed to be great at age 25 and that's your prime, your athletic prime. <clears throat> but there are certain yeah. athletes in specifically in track and field who are able to shift their prime to the twilight of their career which is unusual and shelly ann is like living proof of that where she is the best she's ever been despite being in the sport for 10 plus years yeah a couple things one um her 2021 was really good too it just was overshadowed by elaine thompson hurrahs being yeah. an all-timer and because elaine thompson hurrah was so good she didn't get gold in tokyo and because elaine thompson hurrah was so good. You look at that 10 point, you know, six that she run like, well, 10 fives faster, which it is. But remember she beat Thompson hurrah in Lausanne last year. Like, so she was just right there with her. It just was a matter of Thompson hurrah putting together an all time performance. And I mean, credit to Fraser price for still going and not getting discouraged after that year, because I think a lot of people would. Second thing I'll say her success has just made me rethink this whole age thing. Cause then you look at Thompson hurrah, who's 30. And part of the reason why I push back on your bad take about her never getting another gold is just because you look at Fraser price. Now Fraser price might be, you know, is, is an exceptional athlete. She's an exceptional case, but then even look at someone like Sharika Jackson, who rolled through another 200 today, 28 years old years past people would probably, okay, that's, you know, this is going to be the peak, but I remember watching Doha 2019 and there was kind of a feeling of, oh man, I can't believe Fraser Price did it again. And now we're three years past that and she still does it. And it's not as if she's just popping up out of nowhere and performing in a championship and that's it. The consistency of performances too is what really makes you think, okay, this isn't competition dependent. It's not just like, there's a there was a weak spot in in the hundred that one year and she took advantage. It's like she's doing it over and over and over again just to show you, you know, this is the fastest she's ever been. And she's doing it at this stage of her career. Yeah. It's unreal. I mean, I was reacting like this literally forty eight hours ago after her ten six in Poland. Now she's just like, Oh, I'm gonna do it again. I still think Yeah. I predicted that she's going to give us one more. I think both Sharika Jackson and Shellyanne are both going to give us one more big moment. I think we still have yet to see this the year? one last big moment from Shellyanne. This year you're talking about? Or this year? Ever? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, she, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not, but she doesn't have to do anything, and I think it's still the best season of her career. Yeah. Just I still think we're going to get one more whoa moment. We just haven't, we just haven't yeah. gotten yet. You're big on Monaco. The problem with the problem with Monaco is the way that stadium is constructed and you've been there doesn't really allow for a tailwind. And it almost feels yeah. like everybody's just cheering for a tailwind for these two runners. It's just like, where, where can we get that 2.0? Like, where's that sweet, sweet 2.0 to, to push them to a fast time? Monaco obviously is quick, usually for distances though. I mean, there's been some fast sprint times over the years too, just because of how many quality athletes are there. But the lack of the following wind, I think, takes a little bit out of it. But, you know, again, she doesn't need to do anything else. And just winning these races by such huge margins and being able just to clock in at 10-6 every single time she steps on the track now is just, again, you didn't think it was going to be possible a couple of years ago. But, yeah. Here we are. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, and, and it makes you not want to take anything off the table because that's my feeling about Monaco and the Monaco track. But all Fraser Price seems to be able to do this year is just run 10-6. Like that's all she does, just time after time after time. And maybe maybe she'll outdo it again. I don't know. It's just – it's something to behold, the level of consistency. Um, you want to jump to the men's 100? Yeah, let's do it. I will say while you were doing your end of your Shellyann uh, speech, I was in real time uploading – um, last two of the races onto YouTube. So if you guys haven't seen That's the final great. 200 meters, you can watch them dual screen with us on YouTube. Anyway. That's great. Thank you for bringing that up. And telling I just me. want to let you know, I, I'm a, yeah. I'm a dual threat, you know, podcaster. I can upload and I can. You should have been listening to, listen to, to what I was saying. No, you should have been. Li- I was saying some really important things. Uh, Men's hundred Bracey got the win. Bromel second kind of makes sense. These two have been so close all year. So it makes sense. You know, Bromel wins in the diamond league over the weekend. Bracey comes back and gets the win here. Um, Eli Hall gets third. Talked about Coleman being a, a non-factor in this race again, but yeah, good win for Bracey. I had some questions about what was going to happen with this event post world championships. Cause I didn't know who was going to run and, and if we'd see a lot of the big names matching up, but you know, credit to them. You got this silver and bronze medalist in the same race against a deep field. It was kind of a fun race. I notably thought there's something interesting from Bromel. Bromel still gets top three here, but he, this is now the second or third time I've seen him have a weird like trip or stutter late in his race, like losing balance. Um, and like, kind of like something's happening. Semis, He's like, tripping up on himself. Semis at worlds, right? Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? Yeah. yeah. And he does it again here. And I'm just like, What's going on? It's like losing, like losing control. Maybe I don't know, um, but I feel like it might be something. Maybe he's not able to. Yeah. See, he's, oh, yeah, he's moving he's, to the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah he waves his arms wobbled out. a little bit to the outside lane. Yeah, it's like Edward Chesler. Oh, you're going pretty fast. <laughs> you're going pretty fast there, but I mean, credit to Bracey. Good start here. Um, Coleman, to me, it feels like he his start is solid. His start is fine. It's just the second part of his race. is just not there in the way it was when he won his world title. And I think he just needs a reset at this point. I mean, he's still out there giving it a go. He's still, so he must feel physically fine. But that second part um, of the race is, is just not, not going his favor. Um, going back to world championships, 
you know, these last couple meets too. I mean, this, he used to have a, a lead, you know, midway and then would either build or just hold on. I think, you know, Bracey's a really good starter. Bromel's a really good starter, but even you know, 20, 30 meters out, he's still in a good spot. It's just that second half is not there for him. We need to talk a little bit about Christian Coleman. So whenever we talk about the current great 100-meter runners, we always would include Coleman in that conversation. <clears throat> now that he's got six at Worlds and he has now had two back-to-back subpar performances, what are your thoughts on that idea, that maybe we need to stop giving Christian Coleman the 2019 benefit of the doubt and realize that was three years ago and mm-hmm. that, like, right now, you're not really in the same conversation as the Bromel, Bracey, Curly, Omanyala, Seville-type conversation. Okay. Well, hold on. Let me just – let's back up for a second. You made a really interesting first tier, and you added some guys in there who I would not have put in there, which is fine. But Omanyala and, and Seville, yeah, I mean, I think you can run with those guys. Let me ask you this question. Um, Omanyala beat Fred Curley. Remember that? Yeah, he did, and that's great. But it's not as if he's he, there were circumstances outside of his control. Again, I wouldn't put him in the top top tier. But that's not the point of this discussion. After World Indoors, like, do you think he is the same, better, or worse than after indoor season? I think he's worse. Okay, so if you think that. He was fine there, and he's gotten worse. Then I would say he can return back to that form. I mean, look at what Bromel did last year at the Olympics. I mean, post-Olympics, you know, he had that one fast time in Nairobi, but he didn't get back to his pre-Olympic trials and trials, like, dominant Bromel performance. So, It's just like, I'm looking at these results. There's only two times he's broken 10. Yeah, well, and because we were given him the benefit of the doubt. Remember, I remember that race in Tokyo early on in the year when he ran the 10.09, right? And, it, and we're like, all right, that was, that was fine, but when are we going to see more? And then you just keep waiting, waiting. And then that one in New York, he beat Akeem Blake, but it was real close. But I just think he said it all year long, and I don't think we weighed it enough. Like being off for that amount of time clearly impacted him. Now, if he was fine, though, in indoors, and then regress back to outdoors. I don't know. I don't know the explanation of it, but that's something we're all kind of defer to people who have been in that spot and had to race at that high level. Um, this year, is he I in think, the first tier? What? I don't think anything's changed. I think it's easier to be good in the 60 than it is to be good in the 100. Like, those extra 40 meters are a lot. And Yeah, but you just that, said he got worse. You, that, yeah, that's what because, you said. Yeah. Well, I think he's worse because he's now... I think he would look this now. I think if he was running a sixty meter dash, he would be running the same time as he ran indoors. I think he'd run six. Okay, so that's in a six. Okay, dash. so that's why I asked. So you're not saying he got worse. You're saying he's just basically been the same all year. He got worse because you are what you are. The sport the you have changed. to play, and the sport he plays well, is the hundred meter dash now. Yeah. yeah. But that's that was the point I was getting at. That was the point I was getting at. Like, okay. do you think a six four one is equivalent to whatever he's running now? And you can look at the points tables, but like, my my point being, 
is he is he the same guy or has something happened this this spring or is it just the event got is longer now and it's not in it's not his forte like right now would i put him in the top tier of got like if we if we reran the world championships of course not like look at the results like you're not going to but i'm not counting him out for next year his lifetime best is the same as Fred Curley's, which is the same as Trayvon Bromel's, right? He's run faster than Marvin Bracey. He's run faster than all these other guys that you've brought up. I, I'm willing, just based on what we saw last year, especially on the U.S. men's sprint side, a lot of them not having a good stretch there around the Olympics, I'm willing to chalk it up to him getting reacclimated to run in the event and having a bad couple months. And he's still super young. And the thing is, what was the winning time here? Nine nine, what was it today? Nine ninety, yeah. They're not they're not out there running nine sixes, you know. So if you're saying Ken Christian Coleman, if nine ninety five, nine ninety seven, yeah. If if that's the if that's what it takes to get in the first tier, he can get back there. So I guess I I disagree with you in the long term, but in the short term, you got to look at the results. And yeah, he's not in that first tier. I mean, I'm well. He might not even make the world team next year, bro. I know we get still get four guys because Curly gets the buy. Yeah, but yeah, but so like Williams is good. Don't. He's gonna get better. I don't know, man. I don't think Bromel and Bracey are gonna lose a step yet. Curly obviously is there already. Like my, my my question is: Will you be surprised next year if he goes if he's able just to run sub nine ninety, which might be what it takes to make the team. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he's good next right. year. That's yeah. true. I think he needs a hard I think he needs a hard reset. I think that's what yeah. he needs. It's very clear. Like he wanted to try uh to make the team. Look, he had the buy, he wanted to try to compete, but you go back and you look at those results. I think we put to bring this full circle, I think we put a lot of weight on indoors because it was Coleman and he's great at the sixty and he ran six four low, but remember he had run six threes before. And he lost to Jacobs, and we're like, oh, okay, but he's still in that in that range of he's going to be the Christian Coleman of old. But then everything, like, pull up those outdoor results again. Like, which one of those in retrospect are you feeling good about? Like, those all those outdoor results from, from 2022. Let's go through it. A 10 10.09, I'm just reading finals. 10.04, New York, he wins 9.92. That was a close race. Uh, USA's, he didn't run the final, but he was the 9.87, got third in the semi. And then he goes to Worlds and goes 10.08, 10.05, 10.01. And then now he has a 10.13 and a 10.17. So it's like very clearly not the Coleman of years past, right? But yeah, I think a lot of that is you just start to chase it at a certain point. You're trying to chase the old self and you're, you're taking these big swings trying to get the gold medal. I don't think he's out of it by any stretch. Because we've seen all these guys have up and downs. With the exception of Curly, who just sort of bounces around from event to event. But, like, how many times has Bromel's career been over? That's true. I mean, who last year, true. after Tokyo... Same with Bracey. I mean, it, Bracey's career was Yes. But, like, Bromel, even after he makes this big comeback, right? And he's the top guy in the world, and we're thinking he's Olympic favorite, and he doesn't make the final. I think a lot of people bailed on Bromel at that point last yeah. year. And said that was his chance. If he can't do it, then he's not going to do it. And then comes back, 
gets the bronze, which, hey, isn't gold, but he was within a whisker of a gold medal. And now he's yeah. back to winning Diamond League races. So that was just, we got to learn from the past results of, of a lot of these top guys. Like, they can have a bad patch and, and come back. And we're not in the Usain Bolt era as much as you think we are with guys running 958. We are not in it. We're in a awesome, perfect conditions. Somebody can run a mid 97, but even that's not guaranteed era. So nine eights are still going to get you wins and they're still going to get you medals and he can get back to nine eight. Fair. Anything else notable happened at this meet that you want to talk about? I don't about? know. Do we have the result. Do we have the, I don't have the results page up. I just, uh, I got to pull that up and see. You're just not doing a good job at today, man. What's going on? No, I'm doing well. Page? Got three kids at home because um, one is sick and two of them are in that week between before school starts so i'm just i'm juggling um results here we go can i pull this up do you have the results here nope wait you didn't put a results thing on the coverage page that's you're usually so good at that you're usually mr reliable yeah you take advantage of me and my reliability you just assume yeah it just magically appears it's you're like a kid who just assumes food is put on the table from it just goes out of the the wood of the table what that doesn't make any sense uh I mean, we had another 145 men's 800, which I thought was a showstopper. Oh, um, Shrika, let's talk about the 200s. Yeah. Shrika Jackson, um, both in Eugene, obviously, because she ran 21.4, but in Silesia and then today in Hungary, she just has no weaknesses as a 200-meter runner. Because you in these races, you get to see the whole spectrum of 200-meter runner. And some of them are strong off the bend. And then some of them are good closers. So there's all this action kind of going on behind Sharika Jackson, right? The positions are moving as different athletes assert themselves at different points in the race that are advantageous to them. And she's just better at it than everybody. She has no weaknesses as a 200-meter runner. Makes sense that she's good in the one and good in the four. It's a lot uh, to do to, to translate that into like a really aggressive good bend. But she is just so solid across the board and until somebody can kind of match that level of consistency and have all the parts that she has that are required to, to win this 200 meter race we're just going to see a, her just roll continuously i think in the 200 yeah i agree um that's why i'm excited when you know she's forced to go up against you know a less raced abby steiner a healthy Gabby Thomas, a healthy, um, oh my God, Kimmy, uh, Emboma, like mm-hmm. you could argue maybe a fully it back to her prime, Elaine Thompson, hurrah. So, but right now, none of that exists. So it's just going to be her all day yeah. until the end of the year. But even then, even then, man, it's going to be tough. Even then, I, I know you've been, you've been, uh, saying that you think she's got a rival, but I don't know when. When you're that consistent and you're just that that smooth and just have no weaknesses, it's it's just hard to envision someone beating her at this current form. Again, but that's this year. That's 2022. Yeah, that's where she's year. at right now. And that could be different. Men's 200, we thought we were going to get Knighton Bednarik uh, matchup. Unfortunately, Kenny Bednarik pulled up coming off the curve, which you'd really hate to see um, at this point in the season, you know, coming off that silver medal. Um, so hopefully he's going to be 
okay and it was just precautionary. I haven't read anything or heard anything yet as of this recording. Um, we'll obviously talk about that if we get more news. Um, Knighton wins the race, though, with, with uh, I'd say, relative ease. I don't know. What, what did you think of Aaron Knighton's performance? Yeah, I mean, once uh, Kenny B pulled up, which you can see now on your screen, pulls up with like 100 to go. I mean, Knighton ran well here last year, I believe. Was it last year or in 2020? He ran well at, at, yeah, at this stadium. Year. So 19.8 makes sense. I'm really excited for him in the Monaco race. I was really excited because that Monaco race was going to become a settling of a, of a debate that we had with Michael Norman versus Kenny B. You had Lyles was going to be in there, Knighton, Kenny B, Michael Norman. It was basically a dream 200. Yeah. Uh, we might not get the full dream because if Kenny B is pulling out Pierre, I highly doubt he's going to be in full-fledged to be able to compete in that Monaco race, but maybe not. Maybe yeah. this is just precaution. He's going to be all right. But yeah, Nine's running well. I mean, he's still, we can't forget, guy's still a kid, still running well. He's running 19.8s now, jogging. Uh, his future is going to be really good, and he's going to be the guy we look to to push Noah Lyles to go even faster, to just push the event. I don't think to, that's what he wants to do. I don't think that's what he wants to do. I don't think he, he wants, wants to push him out of the way. He wants to push wants him to out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you push him, and then you, you, you push him to the side, and then you keep going. No one uses pushing him. in that sense. Everybody uses the term pushing to mean you're not a threat. He's a threat. Okay, he's going to pull him out of the way. Is that better? He's going to pull him. Yeah. You know what I meant. All right. I do. I do. Uh, high hurdles for the men. Grant Holloway gets caught by Broadbell of Jamaica. Holloway had a huge lead, which is not uncommon when you're watching a Grant Holloway race. But then the wheels came off over the last two hurdles. Um, both Broadbell and Daniel Roberts closed on him. And, you know, from first glance, you're like, I don't think Grant won that race. In fact, he might have gotten third. He ends up getting second. Um, in this one, but yeah, this was, this was strange. It all, it was going his way. And then all of a sudden it just turned the other direction. Yeah. This has been a, a trend with Holloway now as great as he's been and as great as he's, as he will continue to be his final two hurdles is like the glaring weak spot of his greatness. And He's so good that he can build such a big lead that this weakness isn't always going to affect the result of the race. Yeah. In situations like this, when he's resorting down to 13 ones and there's other people who have capability of going to 13 one, like you can get beat and he got beat by uh Broadbell and almost got beat by Roberts. So I guess that's why they run the race. I still think Grant is fine. I don't think this is going to be the end of the the beginning of the end for him. I still think he's ascending. He's going to break the world record eventually. Um, but yeah, got to work on those final two hurdles. Heck of a couple of days for Broadbell. Wins Commonwealth and then comes here and gets a win that's over Holloway. Holloway. Yeah, this the rhythm was was off on those on those final two. You could tell, and you're right. 
it doesn't matter if he's out running 12-9 pace or 12-8 high pace. It doesn't matter. You could float those ones, and then you're still going to win. But when you're already not going as quick as we've seen you go before, you know, you open yourself up um, to get beat, and that's what – that's what happened. I, do you think we got a? Do we have a fast Grant Holloway race left in the season? You you're saying we're going to see it in the women's yes. sprints. I think we will. I think we still get one more. I think we can get one record attempt. Record? I, mean, I hope. I think we're gonna. He, he's. I don't know if it's a record attempt. There's gonna be a moment. He's gonna run at least a sub twelve nine. He's gonna run twelve eight something. That'd be big. Yeah, I would be big. <laughs> uh, women's, well, it would be. I, like, look at his year, right? Yeah. Look at, look at, this, is this Holloway's year? Yeah, yeah. we got Holloway's year up here. Uh, 13-3, 13-06, that was the one where he lost to Devin Allen. Scratched the finals at USA's, but ran 13-11 and 13-03. Good times, obviously. Then thirteen oh one in the semis and thirteen oh three at Worlds and then today thirteen twelve. Just I mean hasn't raced a ton really. Did two races before USA's and then didn't race between USA's and Worlds and then's run one race post Worlds. So just it hasn't competed a bunch outdoors. Indoors obviously he was great. I almost think it's not a you know he he won the world title but like um, it's interesting both him and Coleman are so good indoors right? That we read so much into their indoor performances and they're running 60 meter races and then the race gets longer. And a lot of times we're just like, all right, they're going to continue to do the exact same thing going outdoors. You know, Holloway obviously was a lot more successful this year doing it than, than, than Coleman was, but see, see a couple parallels there at least. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Camacho Quinn cruised. That was a fast time. Sure. Sure. And 12 twos. 26, I believe, for Camacho Quinn. 27. Did that get rounded down? Are you sure? That didn't get rounded down? All right. Uh, I, th- I think you're right. You it might have been listed. Check, do you want to double check it my might have been. It might have been listed at 2.8, and then they moved it down. They, I know. I remember maybe, they didn't move it down. Or maybe, maybe you're just wrong. No, it did. Watch the tape. <laughs> do your research. Do research. Hold on. Let this play out. Watch Hold it on. Now. I'm going to. I, I literally watched this race. Yeah. I, I oh. watched this. I remember this. Okay. 2-8. It says 12-2-8. say 2 Yeah. How's yeah. that taste? How does yeah, that well, feel? Yeah, well, that's not what she ran. She ran 12 2, 7. I said it got rounded down. I well, said it was down, either 2-7. No, it said 2, 12 7, 2, 7. It, it got rounded down like literally yes. four seconds later. Did you turn off your TV right after the no, race I was over? and like, oh, no, no I'm I, not going to double check my work. I'm just saying I remember it being rounded down, and I was right because it was. So that's all I'm saying. Two seven for Quinn. What Amusan just ran twelve thirty at Commonwealth. At Commonwealth. Yeah, it's man. If the twelve twelve and the twelve oh eight didn't happen, like this performance would have been like, oh man, she's you know Camacho Quinn's getting yeah. close again. And Amusan's twelve thirty is one of them going to be able to get the record this year? It's like, well, uh, we've already done that. Yep. Twelve <laughs> twelve. You got to drop a lot of time, man. Speaking of Commonwealth. Couple updates from Commonwealth. You know we're a big Commonwealth podcast. We, we love yes, huge, Commonwealth games. Huge. Don't even know the countries in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. I'm learning them every day as I see. Oh, that country's there. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But uh, Oliver Hoare, a little bit of a redemption. Wins the 1500 
in a quick time. It was third. It was three thirty. There's a bunch of yeah. guys in there too. It wasn't like a. It was like four or five still in it, all running yeah. quick times. The world champion gets third. Jake Whiteman gets third in the race. Yeah. Oliver Hoare wins it. I mean, that's what we thought Oliver Hoare was. I mean, that's why his yeah. getting eliminated after the semis was so out of character for his talent. And clearly, he was a lot better than that. And he showed it a few weeks later by beating most of the guys, the top guys. Because it's not – the Commonwealth 1500 is basically a very good representation of what a world championship 1500 would be, in my opinion. Just, well, like, you, don't have, you don't have Jakob and you don't have the Americans. But Americans mean nothing right now because they're not running. There's no sensuous sensuous right now. And Jakob yeah. is like one guy. Kerr was in the final. Whiteman was in the final. You know, Cherry in the mix. Yeah, it was good. But there was no guarantee it was going to be good. And I think you're right. It does give Hoare a me- measure of redemption. I mean, he obviously, he would trade this performance for, you know, a medal performance in the in the world championships. But the fact that it was fast, too, and it was a pretty similar race, yeah. you know, to the – now, Jakob not being there obviously changes a lot because that's the guy who really took that pace on. But Whiteman – got caught by chariot and for a while you're like oh chariot's gonna do this like and then whore out kicked the guy who was doing the out kicking like, he, he moved all the way out to to lane three and it was a really exciting last hundred it was a lot of fun that race just from beginning to end but the 330 time combined with the gold yeah it's it's not gonna make him forget about world championships because you don't forget about performances like that but I'm sure that Oliver Hoare is very appreciative that the Commonwealth Games took place this year so he could put on the Australia jersey again and race against other guys going for gold and come out with a performance that he's proud of. Yeah. And, you know, then the day, it does reiterate and, and reaffirm that he is a gold medal contender right now. You know, because if he doesn't have this moment, he can be like, all right, am I always not going to be able to put it together when it matters? Like, you can know going to 2023, he's like, all right, I'm one of the guys. Like, yeah. I can walk in onto the track with that swag, knowing that, like, if I have yeah. a good day, I will be, I will be within 100 meters of gold, you know? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Not within 100 meters of gold, but, like, with 100 meters left in contention to win gold. Yeah, and Whiteman's dream of the triple is gone. I guess triple medal. Let's just extend that to him. Triple medal? We're changing the uh, the bar here. We're lowering it as it goes, but it'd still be cool. I mean, uh, Hodgkinson, cool. that race was crazy too. The women's eight at Commonwealth. Mary Mora goes to the front, then goes to the back, then comes up again and gets past Hodgkinson. That was a wild race. And I don't know if that was her strategy. If it was, I love it. If that wasn't her strategy, I think I love it even more. Like it was, she was out so, it was looked like she was pacing. And then she was only supposed to pace for 200 meters or something. Cause then she slows down. It had to be obviously intentional slowdown. Cause she's like, oh man, I've gone out way too fast. I immediately regret this decision. And then she drifts all the way back 
And then the way the camera was positioned, they were doing the rail cam a lot. So like you didn't have the wide shot. You didn't see where she was. But the commentators are like, yeah, Mora's back there in last place. And you're thinking, all right, what's the expected result of someone who goes out in front in an 800 ahead by like a half a second and then goes to last? Usually they continue that trend and the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe they pass someone in the last 50 meters or something. She totally reversed that. And and then she's like gaining on Keely Hodgkinson. And then she's passing Keely Hodgkinson. Yeah, it was just that was just crazy. So Hodgkinson gets silver. I think that's that'd be I guess three silvers in a row now for her for these for these types of championship races. But Mary Mora, man, that women's eight hundred. I'm so excited about the women's eight hundred. Just with with those three, Mo Hodgkinson and Mora. And the fact that we just don't know what Mora's ceiling is yet. And Keeley like really wants to obviously get a gold because she's been denied now a couple times. That women's eight's gonna be great. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I mean, you know what actually now that I'm thinking about it, not to I've been doing this lately, is we're talking about one topic and then it just reminds me of something else and it makes me just want to think about that even more. But like before you switch topics, imagine... hold on. Before you switch topics, in the chat, um, someone said, oh, All in the Game says it wasn't her strategy. More adjusted mid-race confirmed this in her post-race interview. And then Donovan said she wanted to go out in 58, but then realized she was going out way too fast. So, I mean, one of the all-time great audibles, mid-race audibles of all time. 800 goes by pretty quick. So to be able to adjust that quickly and to get it back on track uh, and – I don't just have the confidence. It's like, it's one thing to get back, to, you know, drift back to the middle of the pack, but she was literally in last place and then just took off again with 200 to go. Anyway, that's my Mary Morris speech. Go ahead. Okay. This is what I want to happen. I want Sydney McLaughlin to only run the 400 hurdles next year. I want a thing Mo to only run the 800 next year. I want them both to win gold in 2023. I want Sydney to have won three straight global golds. 2021, 2022, 2023. I want a thing Mo to win three straight global golds. 2021, 2022, 2023. And then I want both of them to be like, all right, who's actually ha- who actually is the real talented one here? And they both scratch their primary event and they only go all in on the flat 400. And then we have a thing Mo versus Cindy McLaughlin in the 400 only. So there's no backup plan. There's no like, this is my secondary event. We are both are putting aside our 400 hurdles and our 800 to decide to match up one-on-one in Paris for a 400 meter Olympic title. So one of them or they is going to end their streak. Just do it next year. Why, do we, why can't the streak be two? Why does the streak no, need to be three? I want three. I want to be more of a buildup. I want there to be like, yeah. I mean, that's what I want. I'm, I'm Sydney would be here. Sydney would be the big favorite, though, right? What's the argument against Sydney? I don't know if Sydney would be the big favorite, bro. I think she'd be. Don't call me bro. First of all, you're in your mid thirties, sir. I don't. Thank you, friend. I won't call you bro if I want. You're my bro. You're my bro. Esquire. <laughs> what would the line go off at? You said he'd be the favorite, right? Let's just start there. She has to be the favorite. Is she? 
Yes. I think a thing Mo going all out can run 48 low. 48 Maybe, okay, low? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? 48 low? Yeah. I mean, you don't think a thing Mo can run 48 seconds in a 400. I mean, Miller Weibo's okay, 48 seconds is different than 48 low. You realize yeah. that, right? I think she'll run 48 What's low. Four? What's my definition? I think she'll run like 48 4. I think Miller Weibo's run 48 36. Miller Weibo's run 48 36. I think a thing Mo can be better. She's 20 years old. She has yet to even touch her true potential. And she put, has put together some very inf- impressive 4 by 4 splits as like a teenager. Like she can get there. Which she, we just, she has never been pushed. And the same way I think Sydney can get there. She's just never been pushed. I don't think it's out of the question always, to think that. You always throw these outrageous times out there, and then I try to bring you back down to earth. But in doing so, it feels like I'm like talking down the athlete. But it's like, no, I don't think she's going to be able to run 48-2. But I still think she's great. She's amazing. I just think that that's an awful lot to ask. I'm telling you, bro. I did it again. I called you, bro. I think Sydney, I'll just, I'll just say this. I think Sydney, after what has happened this year, I think Sydney would be the favorite. And I would expect Sydney to win. Okay, now but if a, thing Mo, if a thing Mo next, next year runs like 154 multiple times. Yeah, right. If you're not going to think happen, like the, the 22-year-old thing Mo in 2024 would not be a legitimate challenger to Sydney McLaughlin in the 400? I know, but you just entered new information. To, it's like if stuff changes that will change this argument, do you think you'll change your argument? Yeah, of course I would. I'm saying right now, who would go off as a favorite? It'd be McLaughlin. Here's a question. In events that are 800 meters or shorter, when's the last time a thing Mo's lost the race? Who actually has lost that? the race more recently? I guess. I guess... A thing in 2021 indoors, yeah. I predicted indoors, that loss for the record. That was a good prediction. You did. That's one of the last few things you got. Right. I don't okay. know, man. Um, Look at, like, she can, she was running like 49s consistently, 49.5 in 2021. Yeah, there's just a long way from 49.5 to 48 low. It's like, there's a sort of limit here. Like, you run up against potential and, and talent. Right, that's why there's not a whole bunch of people who've run sub. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm with you on sub 49 for both of them, for sure. But again, I just think Sydney coming at it more from the shorter distance stuff. I think. Take away my 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 ignorance or arrogance or whatever for saying the word 48 low. It would be pretty cool. If they both go on to win next year, they're both three for three in their primary event, and then they both are like, we are done with this. We are meeting now in the middle, and then they race each other. And it'd be a lot of entertainment value around that because it's like, all right, we're seeing the greatest 400-meter hurdler go up against the current era's best 800-meter runner, and they're meeting. You know, it's like the 
who who raced each other? Michael Johnson versus who? When they were in the 150? Donovan Bailey. That was a classic. And Donovan Bailey. Really? And when, you know, Johnson faked an injury because he did that, you know, but he'll never admit it. I, but I don't care. Like, I don't know. I just. I'd want. I don't need the third race between. Mo. I don't need them to win for a third. Well, what I need is I need a thing Mo to like have another season of like because a thing Mo we thought she'd be running faster than what she's running now. She's still winning, so she's still maintaining that eliteness. But I want one more year of a thing Mo kind of like developing an even greater resume so that that matchup has more weight to it because I feel like that matchup next year won't have the same weight as that matchup being in twenty twenty. I need a thing Mo to get a little bit more star power. Well, but they're just totally they're in they're both winning gold medals, but they're in different spots in their events completely. That's why I need the thing Mo to go out and run one fifty fours, maybe flirt with the one fifty three, and then he'd be like, Okay, this is well, kind of like what Sydney's the- doing with her fifty one second oh. stuff. And then boom. Together. No, you you need her to break the world record, and you need there to be no reason for her to continue at the event because she's the undisputed greatest 800 meter of all runner of all time, which is where Sydney's at. That's what you'd need, but I don't think that's going to happen over the course of a year. If you ask me, which one are we more likely to see in a 400? Just in general, it's her, it's her by a long shot. It's it's Sydney Brofen by a long shot. In part, if you're trying to win a gold medal, why would you go into an event where Sydney Coughlin is running it? Why would you choose a harder path? They all think they're great. I don't know. I just feel like, come on, man. I'm trying to, this would be fun. It would be fun to see. It would be fun. I'm just saying they're not. They're on different. I think they're on different schedules completely. And I think. But if we're, we're going to have it happen right away. All right. Yeah. Kevin, just like you're you're shitting on this idea, your internet is shitting on you talking right now. So we might have to end the podcast because you're frozen on me. I think that was your internet giving justice towards you hating on a, a thing mo versus Sydney four hundred meter final in Paris. To just, I mean, that'd be cool. I'm not looking at the chat, but I'm sure the chat would love. A Mo versus McLaughlin. I think this means you win the argument, right? Like I think it Kevin is. I think out, I won the I argument because I'm the last yeah. one standing. That's how it works, right? All right. I'm going to end the podcast. If we missed anything, we'll talk about it again on Wednesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday's podcast, where it's going to be in the afternoon. We're going to go right, live right after Monaco. Uh, we didn't really preview any, any of the events because we have so much going on. Uh, but those previews will be old in 48 hours anyway. So we'll... Rapid react to Monaco Wednesday afternoon. Then we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming for the Friday morning podcast. But uh, yeah, we'll see you guys all in 48 hours. Thanks for listening on this weird afternoon type special Um, track. It's fun. We appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you guys on Wednesday.